0: Well, we wanna welcome you to the, uh, our Sunday service and the, uh, as we continue this series entitled Dunamis. Today, I wanna to talk about dunamis breaking barriers. The power of God that breaks barriers. And um, we're gonna do some teaching this morning and, and I'll, I, I guarantee you we're only gonna to get to one point and that, that's okay. But I wanna read out of Matthew 27, verse 51. Now, I want you to get the picture. Usually right after Easter, We like to elaborate a little bit more on some of the things that happened on Good Friday, some of the things that happened right after the resurrection, during the resurrection. And today I wanna look at something that happened on Good Friday that just kinda just blows me away. And it's a barrier that was broken and that could only be broken by the dunamis power of God. Matthew 27, 51 says, From noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over all the land. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, Bastani, which literally means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And when some of those standing here, there heard this, they said, he's calling Elijah. And immediately one of them ran and got a sponge and he filled it with wine vinegar and he put it on a staff and offered it to Jesus to drink. The rest said, now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to save him. They didn't know what was going on. And in verse 50, it says, And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. And at that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Say top, top to bottom. Top. That's important. The earth shook and the rocks split. And then Paul the apostle writes in Philippians chapter 3, verse 10 through 11, our theme text for this series. He says, I want to know Christ.'" and experience the mighty power, that dunamis power, that raised him from the dead. And I wanna suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one day or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. Can we pray today for just a moment? You would bow your heads and close your eyes with me. Heavenly Father, we give you the room, as always. We give you dominion over our hearts and our minds over our thoughts, over our emotions, over our own wisdom and our own knowledge. God, we give you dominion. Holy Spirit, we know that you're in the room right now, which means the dunamis power of your presence is here today. We pray, God, that you would minister to every heart and every mind, that we would leave this place encouraged and equipped to fulfill the great commission that you have placed in all of our lives to reach the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. I thank you for today. I thank you for everybody that's watching online. Thank you for every visitor that's come today. Father, I pray that you minister to their heart. God, for those that are in need of healing, that you would heal them. For those that are in need of restoration, that you would restore them. For those that are in need of strength, that you would strengthen them. For those that are in need of mercy, God, that you would show them mercy. And Father, we give you all the glory in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. amen. Let's give another shout of praise to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Man, to really understand this scripture, we need to take a closer look at the temple. Now, I don't know if anybody's ever seen any models of the temple, or if you've looked back and did a study on, on the tabernacle that traveled with the children of Israel um, uh, through the wilderness, and then was built twice because it had been destroyed twice. And believe it or not, they're preparing to build it again, even today, which is another sign of the last days. But I want to—I want you guys to look at um, a picture of the temple, the way that it's represented or was represented when Jesus was alive and when he was put to death on the cross. This would be considered Temple Mount, and this was the place that was the temple of the Most High God, and deep inside of this temple, there was a place called the Holy Place, and then the Holy of Holies that was separated by a 60 foot um, high, 30 foot wide, four inch thick curtain that God had established to protect um, His creation, His priests from coming into His holiness and into His presence um, without due process and finding themselves dead in the presence of God. And so this kind of gives you a really good look of what it must have looked like over 2,000 years ago. Um, these are what would be considered the outer courts, right, of the temple, and they had a lot of gates leading into the temple. I think it was almost 12 gates leading into this temple place or temple mount, not the temple of the Most High or the Holy of Holies, but into this area. And if you look at this area, um, just to kind of give you an idea, it has the length and the width of three football fields side by side, one another. You'll you'll recognize more now than than anything else the Dome of the Rock, right? The Muslim uh, mosque that's up there. But the Muslim mosque would have been built over here somewhere, not necessarily where um, this whole uh, structure was. And outside here, um, on the outside uh, of the temple, this is where all the Gentiles were allowed. Right, So if you were a Gentile, you weren't, out, you weren't allowed inside this place. You were, you were only allowed outside of this place. And outside of here, there was a lot of people that would sell um, animals for sacrifice, uh, uh, temple merch, if you will. But they were ripping people off. And this, if you know the story where Jesus got upset, he took off his belt, and he threw overthrew tables. He was all mad because he says, you guys have made my... My, my father's house, a, a house of a, a wolves and thieves. This is where Jesus wouldn't have, would not have gotten mad, outside here somewhere. But this is where all the Gentiles were allowed. Gentiles were not allowed to go in here. Not even, not e- there are a lot of like different barriers before you get uh, to the most holy place. So for all of us who are non-Jew, this is where we would be allowed to kind of hang out on the outside of these courts. And then, and then you, you would come into uh, the temple, and then there were the, the inner courts and the outer courts. In the outer courts, um, there was a place for wood for the fire, there was a place for oil for the anointing. Um, there was another little little area for lepers where they were allowed. and then the women, the Jewish women were only allowed here. So Jewish women, all the women were allowed to hang out with oil, wood, and lepers. that 's how it was back then, just to kind of give you an idea of how the systematic structure was prior to Christ and I know a lot of you guys might be thinking well why does any of this matter I'm going to get there I'm going to get there just hang just hang on with me so so this is where all the girls would be allowed so urgency would be held out here and (laughs) according according to sorry sorry girls so urgency is coming next week let's go and you don't have to get on the outer court, you get to go into the most holy place, right? But back then, you gotta stay out here, right? You had to hang with oil, wood, and lepers. And this is where you got to worship God. And then you went into the a more, uh, out, the inner courts, and in the inner courts, show me the other illustration that we have here, the second slide. Maybe we get a bigger, better picture of this. Um, media team, if you can go to the next, Next slide, okay, here we go. So, so see, women's court, chamber oils, for you guys to smell really good. Um, women's courtyard, lepers. Okay, so then you come over here. This is where they would sacrifice the animals because something needed to atone for, the, for man's sin. And so they would sacrifice animals here and then they would put them on the altar and then they would, they would be consumed by the fire of the Lord. And then the, the priests would wash their hands and then there was another barrier Right, to go into the holies. And then when you went into the holies, you didn't get to go into the holy of holies because that was only um, allowed for one priest, he was the high priest, and he had to have his life in check and make sure that his sacrifice was appropriate because he couldn't go into the most holy place. Give me, give me the next picture that's there that comes up on your guys' computer. All right, so this is kind of like now going into, does this help you guys? Okay, so now, so now you've left the outer courts, you've left the inner courts. Now, now if you're in here, only certain priests were allowed in here. And only one priest, the high priest, was there's the veil, there's the curtain, right? And God implemented this because there needed to be separation from the glory of God and the presence of man. Because man could not stand in the glory or the presence of God and not die because he was too pure. He was too holy, it was all just nothing but truth, and if you were to stand in his presence, you would die because of being a sinful man. So, so God establishes this, and back here is where the Ark of the Covenant, remember Raiders of the Lost Ark? So that's a really good illustration of what the Ark of the Covenant looked like. And so the Ark of the Covenant would be here, the mercy seat would be there, the presence of God would be back here. And so the priest's responsibility on Yom Kippur, or one day out of the year, he would come into the most holy of holy place. So this is the holy place, this is the holy of holies. And this curtain had symbolically a golden cherubim, which was an angel that would keep People out that did not belong in the presence of God because you could not be in the presence of God and be in sin and live I take take that to heart you cannot be in the presence of God and be living in sin and live being in sin disqualifies you not only from the presence of God but if you were to experience the dunamis of God, the power of God, you would die instantaneously. In fact, Jewish tradition states that when this high priest would come into the place of the most holy God, what he would do is he would have to take some blood of the sacrifice, right? He had to atone for his sin. He had atone for the sins of uh, 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 of the people, and he, they would sacrifice an animal, it would it'd be consumed by fire, he would wash his hands, he would come in, he would get some of the blood, and he would sprinkle it on the mercy seat, which is between both of the cherubims. I should have got a picture for you, but, and, and, and in that, the people would receive mercy from God as an atonement, so the animal died in place of humanity or in place of people, but if the priest was not right with God, and he didn't go through the systematic um, protocol of making sure that he was right. He wore the robe. He burned the incense. Uh, he, he was cleansed. He, he dipped in the, in the pool um, to make sure that he was cleansed. Uh, if he didn't kill the goat properly and sin was in his heart, something was wrong, and he entered into the presence of God. Tradition states that they would tie a rope around this priest with a little bell on him because he entered into the presence of God. If they would die, who would wanna go in there and get him? Like, like when I, when I was growing up a Catholic, like I would be scared to go to church because that's a lightning bolt, boom, or that I was just going to combust into fire. Anybody with me like that? Like, I don't know if I should go to church. I might die. Like, that's a real thing that comes from that, right? It comes from the priest. Going, so, so what ended up happening, tradition states that Jewish priest, high priest would go in there and he wasn't right with God, dead, little bell would go off and they would pull him out by the rope. There was no other way to enter into that place. And so that's what they would do. Go to the next slide, if you could, for just a moment. So this kind of gives you kind of an, uh, more of an outline, right? Again, this is where they sacrificed, it was consumed, they washed their hands, barrier came in, they had to light the menorah, other, other furniture inside there. This, this, this purple line represents the curtain, the veil, The 60 foot high, the 30 foot wide, the four inch thick veil that separates the presence of God from man. This gives you a good idea when the Bible talks about that at the moment the curtain of the temple was torn into, let me say it again, verse 50. And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. And at that moment, the moment The curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, the earth shook, and the rocks split. Why am I telling you all this? Because everything about this system, everything about what we knew back then, prior to Jesus, basically states to us that only a certain person was ever truly allowed In the presence of God himself, the high priest was the only one ever allowed to be in the presence of God and not die. Even these guys that hung out here couldn't go in there, but then a lot of these guys that hung out here couldn't go in there, and a lot of the people out here couldn't go in here, and so on and so forth until we get to the Gentiles, which we all would have been. All of us would have been like way out here, like just chinning, like, hey, um, can you take these two pigeons? Um, I did something stupid and I just, I I need to make a sacrifice for my sin. And it would have to go through the whole process of everything, through everyone, to get to this place so to make sure that my sins were atoned for, but it was temporal, because I had no power over sin. Sin had power over us. And so inside the temple there was these two main rooms, right, the the holies and the holy of holies. And if you read Leviticus 16 in the Old Testament, you could find the details of all this kind of spelled out. Let me give you just a condensed version of it. Only one man could enter the most holy place. He was known as the high priest. He could only enter the most holy place one day each year on the day of atonement. Like, he couldn't go into the temple of the most high in the holy of holies and like camp out there. He couldn't hang there. He couldn't talk to his friends there. He wasn't there for anything but to make atonement for sin. He had to wear special garments. He would bring with him the blood of an animal, most likely a goat that was sacrificed. he would be beedia on the altar, right? He would sprinkle blood from the sacrifice on the mercy seat of the Ark of the Covenant. The mercy seat was the lid of the Ark of the Covenant. And if anyone else besides the high priest ever wanted to enter the most holy place, he would be struck dead, by the very presence and holiness of God. And if the high priest came in without a blood sacrifice, he would be struck down. And so everything about this system seemed to scream denied, access denied, do not come near, stay away. Why? Well, The Bible makes it very clear when it says the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. So we know that something has to die because of sin, right? So because of our sin, you and I are not qualified to come into, go, go back to the, to the outline for me. You and I are not qualified. We're not even qualified to be where the women and the lepers are. On our own merit, on our own strengths, on our own self-righteousness, we're not even qualified based on this system to even be in the, in the outer courts. We had to be in the Gentile court, like out here, right? And then, but then the women, well, I'm sorry, but then the women would have been able to hang out. Like Gentiles couldn't even hang with the, Jews, with, with the Jewish women and the lepers. We were lesser than. And I want you to take that into account when I make my first point, because most Jewish, well, not any Jewish woman was, was allowed beyond this barrier, and then not every Jewish man was allowed in here. And only the certain priests could be here, and only other priests could be here, and no other priests could only come in to here, and it was only one, he was the high priest. And so, because of sin, you and I, on our own merit, are not qualified for heaven, we're not qualified for a relationship with the Father, and we sure as are not qualified to be in his presence. Let me say this this way. Because of sin, you're not qualified to come in on your own. On your own, fail. On your own money, fail. On your own good looks, even if you're ridiculously good looking, fail. Doesn't matter how big your business is, fail. You can't come in on your own merit. You'll never be good enough to be in the presence of God on your own merit. Because there's nothing holy about us until Jesus. It was as if the temple itself was a giant barrier, making sure that no one can come into God's presence. You remember me teaching you this on his presence, that only, if you look at the Old Testament, only certain people were allowed to be in the presence of God. Moses was one of them, right? Only certain people, certain men, prophets and kings were allowed to be in the presence of God or to hear from God and they would communicate to the rest of the people. Rarely, God would show up in a pillar of fire or in a cloud or, 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 or in, a, in a burning bush. It would be miraculous. But usually, God would only speak through prophets and priests and kings. So everybody didn't get to experience the presence of God, the power of God, the glory of God. Moses tried to in Exodus 32 or 33. He says, show me your glory. And God's like, can't, you'll die. So if the Jews were tempted to forget about that barrier, God made a thick curtain, made, made them make a thick curtain hung between the holy place and the most holy place and it was represented by this purple, you can put that back, put, 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 that, put, that, put that outline back up, by this purple, blue, gold and a, a crimson veil. Jewish scholars believed that the colors represented different things, divinity, luxury, royalty and heaven. Um, they were... They were even told that the veil had a golden cherubim on it, just kinda like in the book of, of uh, Genesis. Remember when Adam and Eve were kicked out of the garden? And God puts a golden or cherubim with flaming sword, saying, you can't, you can't come in, access denied. Same thing at, right here at this veil, access denied to everyone and anyone except for the high priests. It's interesting when you look at this protocol in this this system, because, because everything screams you can't come in, you're not good enough, you're not holy enough, and you're gonna die if you come or try to come in on your own merit. It's, it's so interesting when you read about this curtain that we talked about how God ripped that curtain from top to bottom. He's, it, it, he says that it's gonna take 300 priests to move the curtain. Think about that with me for just a second. It's gonna take 300 of us to move this veil. It says, it even talks about how the, the oxen won't be able, able to tear it themselves. It, it's, it's crazy. I, I mean, this barrier could never be torn in two by the hands of man or of animals. That's why Matthew tells us that it, the, the, the curtain was ripped from top to bottom. So why is this so significant to us? Why are we talking about uh, the dunamis breaking barriers? Because Only God could save us. Only God could rescue us. Only God can reconcile us and redeem us back to himself. There was no way that we can do that for ourselves, but God could and God did. So the first thing that I want you to to recognize when God tore that veil from top to bottom, this is what blows me away, and it just hit me this Sunday, because when he rips the veil... From top to bottom. It was like God was saying. No longer will there ever be any barrier. Between me and my creation. Between me and those that I've rescued. Between me and those that I've redeemed. Between me and those that I've reconciled back to myself because man couldn't do it or else he would have done he would have ripped the veil from bottom to top but it had to be the power the dunamis power of God to take that veil and rip it apart and what blows me away God didn't even wait till Sunday at the resurrection he was always making a declaration on Good Friday to tell us listen my presence has been given access to all those who believe so number one, and, and, and don't diminish the importance of this, you have access to God. You have access to the power of God through the blood of Jesus. And, it, and I find it so amazing that so many of us take our access to the King of Kings, our access To his love our access to his restoring power our access to his holy presence we take that for granted because when i'm in trouble instead of getting on my knees i get on google when i when i find myself in a in a weird place and i'm not saying that asking for somebody to pray with you is wrong I'm not saying that asking someone to come into agreement with you over prayer is wrong. I'm not saying that looking for wise. Counsel is wrong because that's all good. But what I want to remind every believer in this room and watching online today is that as a son of God, as a daughter of God, you have direct access to your father. And if you have direct access to your father, you have direct access to healing. You have direct access to restoration. You have direct access to his dunamis power that is at work in your weakness. The problem is, it's like, bro, can you pray for me? Yeah, I can pray for you, but you should be able to pray for yourself. Pastor, can you pray? No problem. No problem. Slide into my DM. Ask me for prayer. No problem. In that moment, we drop everything. We pray. My question is, why aren't you praying for you? You have the same access that I have. And I have the same access that you have. I get a kick when somebody, Pastor, you gotta pray for my husband. He's possessed. I'm like, girl, you need to lay hands on your husband and cast it out. You don't need me to come over. You're a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Stop looking for leaders to do what you can do too. We just need to understand that I'm a son of God. You're a daughter of God. You can walk in that authority. You can walk in that truth. You can walk in that dunamis power. When you see somebody struggling outside, don't look for somebody back at the church. You respond. God put you there for such a time as that. But we get caught up, can, can somebody pray for me? Yeah, we can, but start with you praying for you. Instead of complaining, start praying. Instead of criticizing, start casting it out. Right? Pastor, my my man, he made me do it. Your man didn't make you do nothing that wasn't already in you to do. Your wife didn't make you do nothing that wasn't already in you to do. The problem isn't your access. The problem is your flesh. You have access granted. Hebrews 10, 19-20, the, the writer of Hebrews says, we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way. That old way, that, that old system, Jesus did away with it. The moment he resurrected from the dead, he did away. No longer would we ever need a blood sacrifice. He was the ultimate blood sacrifice for all mankind. John 3:16. for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. That old system was done away with and God brought about a new system of grace and truth and we need to learn how to live in this church. Can somebody say amen to that? The Bible says, by the most holy place of the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, open to us through the curtain that is his body. We have a privilege that we don't take advantage of. I I say this to a a couple of our leaders um, because the way that we systematically structure our church so we can be more effective in our leadership is I pastor the leaders, the leaders pastor the church. That's how we roll. And so when a leader comes to me and they go, Pastor, I know how busy, you're so busy, I didn't wanna bother you. I, I, you can ask any leader that I've said this to, and raise your hand if I've said this to you, you, you have direct access to me. Like, you don't have to sit there and wait like a long time to, like my responsibility is to equip you, to disciple you, to train you, to hold you accountable, right? And then to release you with the same, with what God's given me to release you with, right? But you have direct access to me. But we say, well, I know how busy you are. That is, like, it sounds real humble. But sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes it's like, oh, man, I don't wanna bring this to your attention. And not that I'm God in any way, shape, or form, but I wonder if we use the same thing when, when we go through stuff and we're like, God's got, like, crazier people to deal with. I need to figure this out. And God's like, you've got direct access to me. Why aren't you talking to me? Why aren't you seeking me for counsel? Why aren't you praying? Why aren't you worshiping? Why aren't you studying? Why aren't you serving? Why aren't you evangelizing? Like, what are you doing with the blood that my son shed on the cross, like like you're, you're giving more authority to the enemy and the lies over your life than the authority that I've given you from heaven. You've got direct access to the king, and the king of kings, and yet we live like servants and not a royal priesthood, chosen of peculiar people. You know what that means? You're a little weird, no, no, that's not what it means. But you and I have an advantage. We've been granted access to the presence of God by the blood of Jesus, an opportunity that's both enjoyable and liberating. Some of my favorite moments in life is in worship. Some of my favorite moments in life is coming corporately together with the body of Christ and worshiping the King. Right, I have direct access to the king, I'm gonna worship the king. Some of my other favorite moments in life is just driving right, from here to there and just talking to God. Some of my other favorite moments in life is just serving at whatever capacity God tells me to serve and in that my worship is, is, is like an aroma unto God because I'm doing what he told me to do and if I find myself in trouble, the first person that I go to is Jesus. Right, and, and if I don't hear anything in prayer, then I go to his word. Because this is alive. It's active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. In modern day, this is my lightsaber. Yeah. <laughs> like when somebody comes at me with a lie, I'd be like. <laughs> Somebody's going to record this and make a meme out of it, I don't know. But I've got access. Spirit of God wrote this. Power of God wrote this. Like, why won't I go to it when I'm in need of counsel? Why don't I go to wisdom? You'll find wisdom right here. Be like, I don't hear God. Well, have you opened your Bible? No, then. You want to hear, you can hear God every day. You've got Access granted. Did you know that? You, you can read through this and study it. You can go to RLU. You can go to DNA. You can go to Life Group. Come on, you have no excuse. Uh, I just, you know, I don't know. Is this okay? Am I? Am I? All right. So remember this, you have access 2 Corinthians, Paul the Apostle writes in chapter 5, verse 18 through 21, All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against him. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God we're making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf to be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin be sin for us so that in him we might be the righteousness of God. More specifically, atonement is a reference to the sacrifice Jesus made by willingly laying his life down, right? Uh, uh, His life in order to reconcile us back to himself as long as we repent of our sin, believe that he died and resurrected from the dead, and now we become a child of God and we are adopted into the family of God. You know what, that, go, 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 back to, go back to that outline. Go back to that outline. Because of the, no, no, the other, I'm sorry, the, the one before that. As a Gentile, all my life I would have had to live out here. But because of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, He puts me right into the holy of holies. And now I become a high priest in the kingdom and I have access to the Father. And here's the beauty, I don't have to fear that his holiness is gonna kill me because God came in truth and grace. His grace, by his grace, we are saved. We don't have to go through this whole process anymore because Jesus did away with this old model. He implemented this new model of grace. Now, make no mistake, grace isn't a license to sin. Far be it from any of us that we would use the grace of God to sin. But the reality is it's because of his grace that we're able to enter into the most holy place. Watch this, the Bible says boldly. I don't have to be afraid, I don't have to be timid, I don't have to be scared. I can literally come into the presence of God boldly and ask him anything according to his will for my life. Romans 5, 6, and 11 says, for while we were so weak at the right time, Christ died for us, for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would even Received reconciliation. Mm. Hebrews 9:12 says he entered once and for all into the holy place, not by means of the blood of the goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. Revelations 5 and 9 says, and they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals for you were slain and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe, language and people and nation. You and I have been given great access, a privilege. God made this possible. So that's why the writer of Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19 and 20 says, we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus. What was the access? The blood of Jesus. Is there any other access to the Father? No. You mean all religions don't lead to God? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Wait a minute. But they have their belief system and we have our belief system. Well, what belief system is based on factual truth? We know the indisputable truth of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. Like, you're never going to get reincarnated. You don't get a do-over. And if you did, <laughs> you won't. I'm not going to go there. Jesus said "I'm the way, the truth, and the life, no one comes to the Father, no one has access to him except through me. So he says, we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain that is his body. My goodness, Hebrews 4.14 says it this way. Therefore, since we have great a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith that we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. How much more do you need to hear that there is power in access there is privilege in access and we have been given the imputed righteousness of Christ to be able to stand before God in holiness not because of anything that we did but because of what Jesus did as the finished work on the cross of Calvary so because of Jesus we now have access to the Father why? because he loves you Pastor, I'm a mess up, that's okay, he loves you. Pastor, I've been divorced, he loves you. Pastor, I've committed abortion, he loves you. Pastor, I've fallen over and over again, he loves you. Pastor, I'm addicted, he loves you. He loves you so much that he wasn't willing that any of you would go into eternity without him. So he made a way through his son and it's only his son that's gonna give you access to salvation. Access to restoration. Access to a relationship with God the Father. Second Peter 1-3 puts it this way. He says, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence. And here's where the rubber meets the road. Romans chapter 1, verse 16, where Paul the apostle declares, For I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power, it is the dunamis of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. It is the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ that gives you and I direct access to the Father. And if we have direct access to the Father, we have access to heaven's authority. We have access to the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We have access to healing. We have access to freedom. Am I talking to anybody in this room? We have access to pure joy, which is my strength. We have access to the kingdom of the Most High God. We don't have to be afraid of what's going on in the world. We don't have to be afraid of what's happening in our government we don't even have to be afraid that there is no milk for babies on the shelf because we got access to the king of kings and the lord of lords and if you have that access you have everything you need to live this life stop making it so complicated god's not complicated you are So for just a moment, if I could have every head bowed and every eye closed, in reverence to the Holy Spirit, are you struggling this morning? Are you having a difficult time living this life that you're living? Are you in a state of confusion, filled with anxiety and possibly struggling with depression, You might have even thrown the suicide word out a couple times in the middle of the darkness of your pain. You might be here and you might be experiencing and suffering through a horrendous divorce that you've had to navigate through. You might be here today and you're just like me. When I walked into a small Pentecostal church, the city of Hawthorne, just religious, Knew that God existed, but had no relationship with God. Knew and believed that there was a heaven and hell, but thought, as long as I'm a good person, if I did more good than bad, maybe I'll be allowed to come in. And if not, well, it is what it is. Maybe you're here and you're just dealing with addictions. Maybe bad habits that create a lot of damage in your relationship to your family and your children. Maybe you've run away from home and you're just in a negative place, you're in a dark place and just seems like the world and everything in it is telling you how big of a failure that you are. But I'm here to remind you this morning that God's love for you and I was so extravagant that he wasn't willing that any of us would go off into eternity without an opportunity to know him and his grace and that love through the message of the gospel and a personal relationship with Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. We don't live for religion. We live for relationship. And because Jesus made a way for us to have access to the Father, we are in relationship with our Father who is in heaven. And yes, holy is His name. His kingdom come and His will be done right now on earth as it is in heaven. That maybe you're just fighting this good fight and you're in need of peace, or you might be in need of grace, and maybe you're in need of salvation today. Maybe you need Jesus. Maybe you thought you needed a change of career. Maybe you thought you needed a change in your relationships with other people. Maybe you, you thought you needed a change of geography and living, and maybe you needed a change of church and all those things might be true but the reality is what you need most of all is a change of heart you would surrender your pride and your arrogance the wisdom of your own knowledge and you lay it down at the foot of the cross and say God I've done it my way and all it's done it's messed me up God I'm ready to do it your way and if that's you for the very first time you say Jesus I need you I need to be born again. I need salvation. If that's you, would you raise your hand and say, Pastor, would you pray for me? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hands going up. Thank you. Hands going up. Thank you. Thank you. You can put them back down. Thank you so much for being honest. I know that God sees those hands because he's here and he knows it all anyways. And right, right there where you're at, Right there, right there, right, right now where you're at. You say, I need Jesus. I want you to do one more thing with me. You raise your hand. I'm not gonna ask you to do anything weird or anything, you know, crazy, but I, I'm asking you just to stand to your feet. Right where you're at. You raise your hand and say, I need Jesus. I need to be born again. I need to submit my life to Christ. I need to give him my whole life. I want access granted. That's you, come on. I saw a lot of hands go up. Don't be afraid don't be ashamed there's nothing to be ashamed of when you stand before God come on there's nothing to be ashamed of this is a testimony you weren't ashamed of sinning you weren't ashamed of doing what you did in the darkness don't be ashamed of coming to the light it's the most beautiful thing you could ever do right where you're at lift your hands as you surrender say Jesus forgive me for my sin come into my heart come into my life Be my Lord and Savior, forgive me of all my sin. I repent, I turn away from my old life and I give you my life. I believe that you died and you rose again for me. Save me and fill me with your Holy Spirit today. This I pray in Jesus' name. Amen? Come on, if you said that prayer and you meant it with all your heart. Bible declares all things are passed away. All things have become brand new. Come on, you're brand new today. You're brand new, you're brand new. You're all brand new new today in Christ. And guess what? You got access to power. You got access to joy. You got access to the presence of God. Does that feel good? It's so much better to know. Cause there's going to be times that you don't feel good, and you got to remember, I'm a child of God. I can go to my daddy. Roxanne acts up, I'm like, I'm gonna tell dad on you. Go to my father. I look at God as my Father, my Abba Father, my Holy Father, and I have that relationship with Him. And I pray that you will begin to establish that relationship with Him. Why don't you all stand to your feet, keep your eyes closed and heads bowed for just a moment. Man, you're struggling. You're struggling right now. You know that you are. I just want to ask you, do you need strength? Do you need peace? Do you need grace? Do you need mercy? You need somebody to come alongside of you and just pray with you and pray for you and bombard heaven with you you're in the right place I'm gonna open these altars to you because we don't want anybody to leave without being prayed for that needs prayer maybe you're struggling through something maybe you're dealing with someone and man you need prayer you need wisdom you need insight you need guidance first thing that we're supposed to do is pray so these altars are gonna be open to all of you And we are going to worship God. We are going to ask God to help us in this time of need. And then we're going to have a bunch of prayer warriors to come alongside of you and pray with you and pray for you. But don't be ashamed. We all need prayer from time to time. We all need access, right? This is the access. Access is granted. Come on. What happened to the other song? our lives, with our obedience, with our hearts submitted to your living word and the leading of your Holy Spirit. Heavenly Father, I pray this morning that you continue to reveal yourself to your sons and daughters and dreams and visions. God, that you would speak to your living word. God, you've given us access to your love. You've given us access to your power. You've given us access to your grace. I pray that we never take that for granted. I pray that we remember that every day and every night, we can talk with you, that we can worship you, that we can receive from you. I pray that every person that's in this room right now, that. Has been listening to the lies of the enemy that they're alone God would have you reminded that you're never alone for his word promises that he'll never leave us or forsake us and when that old temple was destroyed in this new covenant God makes you and me his temple where his presence and his power resides As we live out this Christian life, all glory goes to him. Father, I pray, God, that you strengthen every family, every teenager, every young adult, every single person. Lord, I pray, God, for those that are of retirement age, God, that they don't retire, that they reignite hope that they continue to fulfill the call of God till you call us home. We honor you, Jesus. We love you, and we give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, and Restoration Life shouted. Come on, amen. Come on, somebody make a joyful noise. Hey, can we give it up for Reignite Hope one more time? In this place. Don't forget, this week, urgency conference right here. At restoration life turn around give somebody a high five god bless you we'll see you next week